Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, hi, my name is Cozy. I'm the children's pastor here at Ocean Hills. And we are in a series called Bless. And if you haven't been able to be with us in the last few weeks, the Bless series is inspired by a concept in God's story that starts all the way back in the Hebrew scriptures with Abraham. When God promises Abraham that he is going to bless Abraham and his family so that they would be a blessing. So we have decided for the next, or three weeks, next two weeks, to talk about how we can intentionally bless the people in our lives, specifically the people in our lives who say they feel far from God, the people in our classrooms who only know God as the God of judgment or rules, the people at our work who have had hurtful encounters with the church. The people are friends who are just chasing that next spiritual high. Wherever the people are in our lives, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, there's some, there are us in here that are wrestling right now with who God is. So we are trying to think of ways to intentionally just bless them. How cool is that? That we just get to talk about blessing people. Uh, but through the example of Jesus. That's the key. That's the big one. So uh, week one was B, oh, we were using it as an acronym, so B-L-E-S-S, so I spelled it right, I'm a terrible speller, so glad I did that. Okay, so B, bless, begin with prayer. Week one, John talked about blessing people through three really tangible prayers. Then week two, listen well. How can we bless people? By listening well to them. We are really good talkers, but we're not always great listeners, so how can we bless people through listening? Three. Eat together. That's my best one. That's my best one. Uh, We talked about how we can bless people by bringing different people from our lives that may not know each other together and see what God does and see how he blesses us and them and just blessings all around. Today, the next one is serve. Yay! Some of you are like, I like the eat together one. So I know that you might be kind of adjusting in your chairs like, oh no, she's going to ask me to join the takedown team. As much as Brian Jenks would like me to do that, I'm not going to. Brian Jenks is my husband, he's on the takedown team. Um, And I'm not going to ask you to serve in O-Kids. We're going to stay true to that heart of the BLESS series, which is talking about intentionally blessing the people in our lives kind of outside of this space, right? So... um, I don't want you to come away from this morning feeling like I want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to know that God is acting in the world, that he's moving in the world. Lila did such a great job at shaping that heart feeling that God is moving and working in the world, and I want to invite us to participate. 
So I don't want you to feel like I'm asking something more from you because I know we are all maxed out, okay? Can I pray for us before I read God's word? <laughs> okay, great. Oh, good God. Oh, thank you that you are already working in the world. Thank you that you are the one that speaks through us. Thank you that this is not my words. Oh, amen, that is, it's not my words. Thank you so much that your spirit is moving and working. I pray that in each person's heart this morning that you would speak your truth, your love, your blessing, and that you would encourage them and give them vision for what you're doing in the world and how they can participate. We love you and we need you. May your words speak to us this morning. Amen. All right. I'm going to uh, I'm going to preach out of John 13. I'm going to use the ESV uh, which is going to be up on your screen. But uh, if you have another version, still take out your Bible. It's totally fine. All right. John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. God's word. Thank you, Lord, for that. Jesus was not the person that anyone in the room expected to be washing dirty feet. In the Jesus Storybook Bible, it talks about how dirty the feet were, and it's like, they were out on the streets, and they were wearing sandals, and there were cows and pigs on the streets, so, you know. And it's just, it's just funny. I just thought it was funny. Anyways. Um, really dirty feet is my point. Really dirty feet. Um, and so Jesus was not the person that they expected, and there is a person in that culture, there was a person that was going to be there to wash everyone's feet before the Passover meal, but that person didn't show up. So the disciples are in the room, and and you can, I can just imagine the tension building. They're all looking around at each other like, who's going to do it? And I can put myself in that place. And I'm like, I wonder how I would have responded in that moment when everyone's looking around like, who's going to take care of the dirty feet situation? And I think, I wonder, like, would I be the one that like, kind of like, is like looking around like dark, like your eyes are just avoiding any kind of eye contact? Or actually, if I'm honest, I'd probably be the one that starts like rearranging the furniture, like, I'm too busy to do the feet washing, like, don't bother me, you know, looking up under, you know, couch cushions or whatever. Um, or maybe I would be the person that offers, but kind of the offer that's not actually an offer. We all know what I'm talking about. And, or maybe I would just ignore it completely. Just not even on my radar, not even going to give it the time of day. I am too good for that. Jesus didn't do any of these things. Jesus the Son of God, who is about to go to the cross to die for these men, got up from his table, 
got the water, got the bowl, and started washing probably the poop off people's feet. Like, that's insane. Come on. I, when I was thinking about this, I was like, that's like the Queen of England coming and giving me a pedicure. But like way more, like way more. I thought it was funny. Okay, fine. Jesus doesn't do any of this. He serves. The way of Jesus is service. Some of you in this room might be going, I'm an Enneagram too. Um, I'm a Myers-Briggs helper. I'm really good at serving. Okay, okay. Uh, We're really good at serving the people who are good to us. But are we good at serving the people who betray us? Jesus washed the feet of Judas, the man who would literally leave that space and go and betray him to death, betray Jesus to death. Peter, Peter, Jesus was washing Peter's feet. Peter would, in Jesus' darkest hour, deny him, not once, not twice, but three times. If you are wondering whether or not we are called to serve the people in our classrooms who are mean to us or the coworkers who threw us under the bus last week or the neighbor that leaves their dog poop on your I've said poop a lot. I'm sorry. If they leave if they leave their dog poop, do you have, does anyone else have a neighbor that leaves their dog poop on your lawn? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, even them, even them, that's who we're called to serve. No matter who people are, if we are invited into an opportunity, God says, yes. The way of Jesus is very clear. We are called to serve. Now, I told you that I wanted something for you, right? Uh, And that's still true. We don't serve out of obligation. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't serve out of obligation. We serve out of our blessing. The reason we serve is because of our blessing. The source of our blessing is service. But our culture has kind of given their own definition of what it means to be blessed. So if our blessing is where we serve from, we got to know what that actually is. So there's this concept, which most of you should know, hashtag blessed, right? Um, I don't have Instagram on my phone anymore, but I went on the internet and typed in hashtag blessed. And apparently, if you are at the beach, if you have children, or you have purchased some new big item, you are hashtag blessed. And you're probably really good at taking a selfie. That is what hashtag blesses in our culture. And I will say, those are not bad things. I'm not gonna say poo-poo on children. I'm the children's pastor, okay? But I am going to say that the hashtag blessed is different than the source of our service. If we go back to the text in verse 3. Yeah, verse 3. I'm going to read it from here. Okay, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose up from supper. So this first part, that knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, that's actually being repeated from an earlier time in John 3.35 when when, uh, John writes, 
the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. In this moment, Jesus knows that he is in it with the Father. He knows his purpose. He knows that he is from God and he's going back to God. He knows that he is loved by God in this moment. And so every time that Jesus stopped and healed someone, every time that Jesus bore a burden, every time that Jesus served, the source of his service was this love that he felt from the Father. It was his blessing that sourced his service. I love how uh, Philippians 2 says it, and I'm going to read it out of the message, the paraphrase out of the message. If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, okay, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. I love that. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and put others or help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. The source of our service is found in our blessing. Our blessing is not having followers. It's getting to follow Jesus. It's having Jesus to follow. Our blessing is not living in a house we own. It's living life with Jesus. Our blessing is not having children. It is being a child of God. Our blessing is not finding peace at the beach. It is finding peace in the storm. Our blessing is not prosperity. It is his presence. Our blessing is not our prosperity. It is his presence. When we are living from our blessing, an opportunity to serve someone, to pull down God's presence into a moment, it changes that moment, that opportunity, from being a summons to being an invitation. Think about the opposite. If we serve out of something other than our blessing, maybe bitterness, obligation, the need to be loved, when we serve from those places, the people in our lives might not experience blessing, but being a burden, being pitied, being disempowered. When we serve, we want people to experience the blessing. And that's the blessing. Life with God is the blessing. His presence is the blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. The source of our service is blessing. Point number two. Brian and I are a part of an organization uh, that puts on camp every year for kids from hard places. It is the best week of my year hands down. I'm not going to say the name of the camp, um, but if you are interested in what I'm about to talk about, please come after and see me, please. Okay, so Brian and I are part of a camp. Happens every year. Kids from hard places. These kids, this is the one week out of their summer where they're probably not left alone all day. It's probably the only week of their summer where they get three meals a day. It is probably the only week of their summer where they sleep in their own bed. 
And this is definitely the, week, the only week in their summer where they swim. And they love to swim. Service at this camp, it is small and it is simple. It's not easy, but it is small and it is simple. My first year at camp, I was put into a cabin with a girl who I'm going to call Lauren. And Lauren was known in the camp to be high maintenance. And, but what gave me so much compassion for this high maintenance is her high, you could tell her high maintenance attitude at camp was just an all out rejection of the low maintenance existence that she had to endure at home. Lauren's high maintenance manifested in lots of fun ways. One of them was refusing food or uh, being really distressed about the heat. Oh, it's so hot. Or a, a headache that was coming on. But Lauren's high maintenance manifested itself most gloriously in her hair care. Yes, like hair, like her hair care. We would go to the pool every day, and every day, Lauren would get out of the pool early to start her hair care regimen. And it was painful to watch. It took forever. She would put, like, so much shampoo in her hair. It would just take forever to get out. And I'm like, hey, you don't need so much. And she went, and I'm like, okay, noted, note taken. So Lauren, the last step in hair care regimen was going to her bag and grabbing the hairbrush that all the girls are given at the beginning of the week. And she starts to brush her hair. It becomes very apparent that Lauren did not have a mom or a dad that knew or took the time to tell her how to brush her hair. So she would, she would just kind of sideways brush her hair uh, and she'd be trying to get out the knots. And so she, her mom never told her, you start from the bottom and you kind of like work your way, you know. Um, or at least I start from the bottom. I hope that's like common knowledge. I don't know, right? Okay. <laughs> They're like, no, you start from the top. <laughs> Thus my hair. Um, no. So, but Lauren, it was painful to watch. She would just be brushing her hair into more tangle, and it would never quite like go all the way through, which was the moment that would signal that she was done. And so day after day, we would be late to dinner or scrambling at the end to put on her shoes to get to dinner on time. And she wouldn't let me help her. But I knew that this routine for Lauren was really important for her. And we did it every day until Thursday when I'm doing something else. And I hear this very familiar whine slash wail, like, I don't my hairbrush. And I'm like, oh, no. And I knew in that moment, Lauren had left her hairbrush in the cabin, and I was going to be asked to go get it. And if you've ever worked at camp with nine-year-olds, you're tired on Thursday. You're really tired. And so Lauren's like, I left in the cabin, can we get it? I'm like, don't worry about it. We'll get it later. It's fine. We'll get it after dinner. Your hair looks great. I am trying to tell her with false kindness that what she cares about doesn't matter. And in that moment, I remember why 
camp exists for these kids. And I remembered our training, and they told us that the heart of this camp is to create an environment where kids who have been discarded or neglected can feel like they are the most important kid in that room. In fact, we treat them like royalty, like sons and daughters of the king. To treat Lauren like royalty in that moment was to put her needs first, which was a hairbrush. It was a hairbrush. It was a five-minute walk, and it was a hairbrush. It was so small and simple. And yet, to Lauren, it communicated to her that I cared about what she cared about. It communicated to Lauren that she was worth my time and my energy. It showed Lauren that she was worthy of love. We often think that service has to be these big things. We sign up for things like kids helping kids. We go on service trips. We sign up for Serve the City. We start nonprofits. We write big checks, apparently. And those things are good. They're really good. I've heard kids helping kids is awesome. But they're not the only things. They're just not. In fact, most of the opportunities that we are going to get are these small hairbrush feet washing moments. Jesus washed feet. Other than the fact that it was Jesus, the son of God, washing feet, washing feet was kind of casual business in that culture. It just needed to get done. This is the kind of stuff we're going to encounter. The person walking towards us who looks real lost. The man in the grocery store who has very apparently misplaced his keys. The friend who needs a ride and lives on the opposite side of town. The printer is jammed, and my favorite. The family on the airplane is separated, and they have asked for your aisle seat. Ooh. The opportunities to serve in the small and simple things hang in the air every day. And if you are thinking that that is not worth your time, that you have a higher capacity, that you are a higher capacity learner, are you more high capacity than God? Sorry. It's true. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO or the new hire. It doesn't matter if you are the cool kid or the kid that likes Dungeons and Dragons, which is actually very cool. So it doesn't matter if you're cool or cool because we're all cool in different ways. The working mom or the stay-at-home mom, the rich or the poor, the person on the board of the charity or the person receiving charity, we are all called in to service in the small and simple things. It is just the way of Jesus. But we're not called to serve and meet every need. That's not what I'm saying here. I just don't want you to dismiss it. God doesn't want you to miss out on participating in what he's doing in the world because we think we're too important. And in fact, it really is just our participation that he wants because the reality is he doesn't really need us. He doesn't really need us. He invites us into what he's doing in the world, which is the most exciting thing to be a part of. 
and says, come, come do it with me. And it's for our benefit. And that's the surprise of service, is that it's for our benefit, and it actually doesn't have anything to do with us. The surprise of service, when it's for the sake of blessing, is it's way more about what God is doing than what we're doing. Service tends to be a really tangible thing. If you ask me to help you move, and I help you move, you're moved. It's very linear, which I love. However, blessing does not have a means to an end. Blessing is not our means to an end. Blessing does not have predictable results or expected outcomes. If we are going to bless people through our service, we're going to have to surrender the results to God and just be stoked that he is working underneath the surface. We even see this in the text. I'm not making it up. Uh, there is an exchange between Peter, uh, Simon Peter, excuse me, between Simon Peter and Jesus, where Simon Peter is still trying to figure out who Jesus is, and he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus responds, if I do not wash you, you have no share in me. Peter cries out. He kind of goes the opposite direction. He goes, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He's getting real excited. But Simon Peter is only seeing the action on the surface. But what Jesus is doing is he is preparing Simon Peter. He's pointing him to what God is doing underneath the surface, what God is about to do in the world through the work of the cross. The love of God that would cleanse them from their sins. The love of God that would cleanse them from their sins. In other words, it was not about clean feet. It was about pointing them to the love of God that was right below the surface. There is a love of God that is right below the surface in every single human's life. If I didn't believe that, I probably wouldn't be doing this job because it would be really hard. God is already working, and he is making a way to redeem the broken, heal the sick, embrace the outsider, free the prisoner, and bring hope to the hopeless. When we bless people, we are pointing to that. We're pointing to that. The first surprise of service is it is not about our action. It's not about helping someone find the keys. It's about pointing them to what God is doing, exposing the kingdom of God for just a moment that they get to experience it as blessing, his presence as blessing. The second surprise of service is service also blesses us. It also blesses us. It even says it in God's word. Verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. When we serve others, God shows up. When we serve others for blessing, from our blessing. I'll make that distinction. When we serve others from our blessing, God shows up. It's like a lightning bolt in the darkness where the kingdom of God comes down and shines through. And we experience that as the one giving the blessing and the person being blessed experience it. My friend Priscilla, who's here, there she is. My friend Priscilla, we like to, she likes to say this. It's like breathing kingdom air. When we get these moments of living the way we were created to live, 
we get to breathe in kingdom air. From personal experience, the most compelling thing that this world has to offer is a moment when the kingdom of God comes down and moves amongst you, when you breathe kingdom air by surrendering yourself. It is, I, I, talk, I was like, Brian, can you think of anything better? He's like, no, it's the best thing this existence has to offer is to be in the presence of God. And this is the one of the ways that he shows up when we surrender, when we forget who we are and we extend help, when we serve and we bless. So, I want to challenge you today, just a little bit. I want to challenge you. It was really hard to prepare this sermon, I'm not going to lie to you. There's so much we could have said about service. There is so much that God is doing in the world that we get to be a part of, and it's expansive. And so I'm going to say the one thing I hope you take away from what I have said and what God has clearly spoken is that this was not it. Go back here. Please go back here. Go back to John 13. There is more. That was like 20 minutes. 20, no, probably not 20 minutes. It was like 30 minutes. But, you know... There's not a lot you can say. Go back to this. Please, it is my challenge for you this week. Soak in it. What is God moving in you? What more does he have to say about how you can participate? I do have another challenge, though. Say yes this week. Say yes. When the person asks for your aisle seat, there are, there are plenty of us who travel for work. If there's someone on your airplane that's asking for your aisle seat, say yes. If there is someone who's lost their keys in Trader Joe's, pause. Maybe help them. Maybe. Say yes this week and see what God happens. I'm going to invite the band back up. Sorry, guys, I kind of did that late. So I'm just going to kind of hang out here until we're ready. But I actually, you know what? Let's pray. Why not? Let's pray before we uh, come to the table. Good God. Oh, you're so good. Wow. I am in awe. Your spirit showed up, and I'm so grateful because I felt so not good enough this morning. But Lord, thank you by your spirit that you have said something. Something for us to take away. There was something for us here. You want good things for us. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see what you're doing in the world, that we would see opportunities to serve your children, serve other people in this world as invitations into what you're doing, not as summons to participate. Lord, we are grateful that your spirit dwells within us. I ask that you would be so present in our vision this week, that we might see how you're moving and working in the lives of people we love so that we can participate in you blessing them. We love you, and it is so, so apparent that we need you. Amen. It, It feels so fitting that it's Communion Sunday because, as I said, we cannot serve and have it be a blessing without the table. This is our blessing. Our life in Christ is our blessing, and our life in Christ is rooted in the table. It is rooted in the remembrance of what God did on the cross. It is rooted in our blessedness. 
And so we're gonna come to the table. And if you want to follow Jesus, if you wanna participate in what he's doing, this table is for you. It is for all of us who are going, yes, I wanna be a part of what God is doing in the world through Jesus. This table is for you. And so as you come up, you'll take the bread and you'll dip it in the wine. And as it says in scripture, so the Lord on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So you guys are welcome to this table. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app. 